the tourism should be a process of of a redistribution of a fortune, mm-hmm. right? There's a, you spend money, not in the city again, but that, that, those are good. But the, in the remote area, if they have something valuable, meaningful for international visitors to experience, yes. and that we should make it make them happen. When it comes to the mountains, where most of Taiwan's um, endemic special birds are, they've been very well protected, protected by the tough, tough terrain, but also now protected by good legislation, good enforcement, and a good level of education. So Fantastic. people understand why um, it's important to protect hillsides, to stop hillsides falling yes. down. So when it comes to the main core of Taiwan, the mountains, it's they're in a good situation. Hi there, I'm Dr. Aziz Muller. You're listening to the Ripple Effect podcast, where we discuss some of the most current issues in and around Taiwan and why they should matter to you. After all, whatever we choose to do or not do can create ripples that have major consequences. This series is brought to you by Taiwan Plus, in association with our original docuseries, Our Ocean. Now, let's not waste any more time and dive right in. Today we have two special guests with us to speak about a very important issue, uh, something that we touched upon in our docuseries, Our Ocean, and you can catch that uh, in the link below, um, It's tourism. Uh, so tourism, uh, before COVID in Taiwan, we enjoyed over 10 million visitors uh, to this island, which was quite a lot. Uh, but at the moment, we're struggling to get people back. Across the waters in Japan and in South Korea, tourists are booming. So how can we actually get more tourists into Taiwan in a sustainable way? So I have two fantastic guests here with me today, and, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, my name's Richard Foster. Um, I've been living in Taiwan almost 30 years. In the last t- over 10 years, I've been specializing in um, bird-focused tourism. So I introduce Taiwan through the, its bird life, and then I, I guide people um, that come here especially to see birds and butterflies and mammals. So uh, that's And how, there's a lot to see. Yes, Taiwan's actually a high-quality destination. Uh, even though we're relatively small, we are actually a bit of a powerhouse yep. in the bird world. So most of my customers come with a specific list of bird species they want to see. So they initially come here with a very narrow target list of what they want to to see. This bird, this bird, this bird, this bird. But once they've seen that, once they're comfortable here, then they can discover all the other aspects of uh, Taiwan. So it's a niche area, but it's a niche that Taiwan is actually quite uh, strong with. It's a it's Fantastic. a very, it's a wonderful niche, and it's a wonderful way for me to be enjoying Taiwan and involved in Taiwan as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. perfect. Okay. Well, um, I'm Victor, Victor Tao. Okay, uh, I grew up here. I had uh, uh, several years uh, experience uh, in US, and then uh, I visit Japan very often. China. Okay, so uh, I see this uh, uh, the world. Everybody's um, promoting sustainable development. Uh, and, and tourism in uh, area too. And then uh, my experience in uh, US was I had uh, my uh, environmental studies uh, master degree in Ohio. And then uh, later I came back to Taiwan and I started teaching in a five-year college uh, focusing on environmental engineering. And I taught EIA, Environmental Impact Assessment. I taught GIS. Uh, what That's what was, uh, I, I was doing in the US. I analyzed satellite image, those stuff, very technical people. And years, uh, several years later, I found out I I don't like the pure technique, technical, uh, technical <laughs> stuff. 
So I uh, start to get into the PhD in Taiwan National Taiwan University Geography Department, and that's where I I found a place that uh, uh, I can meet more uh, interdiscipline uh, uh, expert like like Richard, uh, and then uh, and then uh, I was uh, doing that uh, government project mainly uh, for uh, sustainable development for Taipei Xian in the past it's called prefecture, and then later I uh, had uh, I had some some international uh, project. Uh, so I got a chance to visit the Netherlands and UK. And I saw, uh, plus Japan or other areas, talking about just, I have a very visit. So I, I observed some, some phenomenon that if we make effort together, uh, so-called sustainable development can be implemented, especially in the tourism uh, field. Um, so later, like about 15 years ago, I started to be in charge of uh, Green Tourism Association in Taiwan. Uh, and also in school, I also uh, I transferred from environmental engineering, environmental management to uh, uh, tourism department. Okay. I was chairing tourism department for a year. And then the school moved me to another more uh, uh, bigger department it's called leisure management. Okay, I chaired there like, uh, three years. And then I found out there's a strong need, con- a connection between environmental protect, environmental engineering to the tourism. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Perfect. So a wealth of experience from, from you both. That's that's really good. So I kind of want to start off with a, a very wide question and um, something which I kind of get asked a lot from, from my friends and family. Why should they take the journey, make the journey across the world and come to Taiwan? What's the kind of biggest draw to come to this island, Richard? Well, in my world of um, bird tourism, bird watching tourism, it's the fact that Taiwan is a very mountainous, very rugged, high mountainous island, which may, means a lot of species have evolved off. That we, Taiwan has very high density, density of um, species you can only see in Taiwan. So uh, we've got over 30 endemic species. So endemic in the sense that you can only see in Taiwan. And every year we have we add on average, one bird to that list. So in a week or 10 days holiday in Taiwan, you're going to get a very good list of birds. Amazing. Um, um, in quite comfortable uh, circumstances. The other strong points for Taiwan would be uh, it's very safe, it's very civilized, there's very there's no chance of malaria. Dengue is virtually um, impossible accepting for the fact I did get <laughs> this year but um, it's it's um in terms of safety it's 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 uh, it's accommodating it's, as well it's accommodating it, when you get here people yeah so it, it, it's a it's a friendly easy yeah. place the logistics are good there's good roads there's good facilities yeah um and no worries about gen- your general safety. Yes. It's a very, for those of us that live here, we forget how we can just leave our stuff unlocked. Um, totally agree. Uh, and, totally uh, we, we agree. Don't, and we just do not have the fear all of time of things being stolen. But you get reminded of it when you go back to Europe. And yeah. Like, oh, and, I can't leave my phone on the table. Like, yeah. I, I was, mean, uh, my, 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 my bird watching gear, my optics yeah. are sitting in my car that may or may not be locked on yeah. a public street at the moment. I, I have no concerns, but that's an example. So no malaria, dengue, rabies, leeches, which are issues for uh, my customers. Yeah. Um, 
there are many countries with more birds than Taiwan, but you will just accept you will get lots of leeches every day. You'll have lots of leeches yeah. all over you, or you'll be worrying about dengue or malaria. That's just not an issue in Taiwan. Perfect. So high bi biodiversity, um, very safe and convenient. Um, and it's Taiwan's also the right size. It's not too large. It's not too small for a... Um, Getting a from north to south, 90 minutes sometimes? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're traveling by car, which yeah. we, we normally do, it's um, it's a matter of a few hours and you yeah. can get between very different habitats just in a short period. So it's it's, it's very convenient. It's a very civilized experience awesome. for my kind of visitors. Perfect. And Victor, why should people come to Taiwan? Well, okay, Taiwan is uh, the... Um, between the largest continent, Eurasia continent, and then the largest ocean, Pacific Ocean, just we are just in between. So this factor makes Taiwan very fruitful yes. as a human beings uh, showcase, I would say this way. Uh, if we talk about hydrology, uh, hydrology engineering, you can see uh, US, Japan, and Qing Dynasty, Ming Dynasty, it's not like good culture, it's a hydrology engineer, how mm -hmm. to irrigate the big field. Okay. And then like religion is very inclusive. Yeah, you can you, you can trust any God you like. Yeah. So people uh, people although we are from different groups or different beliefs, but people still be harmony, live together. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm happy to to hear that the real thing. We are very safe place. The people that I focus on, work with and try to introduce Taiwan to mostly are very focused on the natural environment, focused on birds. They're not initially at all interested in the history or the society of Taiwan. Mm. They're it, at first you cannot approach these subjects, but once they're here and wants to know, oh yes, I will see this bird, this bird, this bird, this bird. Right. Then you can slowly introduce things like religious freedom and proper democracy, and um, and one area that combines the two is it's a very healthy, vibrant civil society here. So it's a shock to many of my customers. They're used to going to many countries. They're very well traveled. But when you go to many countries, 99% of the bird watching in these countries in Africa and Asia and South America are by foreigners. Yeah. It's the it's the opposite in Taiwan. 99% of uh, enjoying the environment and protecting the environment is done by Taiwanese. Yes. So that that for most of my customers is one of the biggest takeaways is that um, civil society here is vibrant, alive, yes. and um, it's a normal, healthy society yeah. uh, where nature conservation is done by Taiwanese. Yeah. Um, that, so that, one, one point you said there, normal society, it kind of sounds like a bit boring, but it's not. And uh, when, when we kind of hear Taiwan in the news with you, other countries, usually, um, when, when we kind of, when my family call me and say, what's going on? So nothing. It's, it's kind of like normal life here. And I think a lot of Taiwanese people here are focused on improving the country. Like you said, getting involved in things like, like that rather than kind of external things going on um, in the world. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes we can get a bit, we lose sight on what we have here, Yeah. but we're actually uh, in many regards quite mature as a country yeah. in having full confidence in our civil society. I would society. say resilient. We're quite a yeah, resilient it's, country. It's, it's, yeah. So, uh, we're talking about many for the big world um, bird watching events. Ta 
after the British Bird Fair, for example, this is very the biggest event in the world for talking about bird uh, nature. Um, that's the biggest. The second biggest is actually Taipei. Wow. Um, and it's and but it's even better because it involves normal people, not just crazy, um, highly focused bird watchers, but normal society and groups from all aspects of conservation and lobbying and stuff. That's awesome. So that that. That for many of my customers when they're leaving, that's one of their biggest takeaways. That um, this was the best normal country where <laughs> they often go to countries where maybe they'll see more birds, but they'll be worrying about their health and they'll be realizing it's a little bit artificial. It's only focused on foreign uh, bird watchers, but here it's um, it's a genuine part of society. So when we're in the mountains, most of the people we see watching birds or butterflies or work and studying with nature are actually local Taiwanese, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. That's cool. I, I mentioned in the introduction about how many tourists we had pre-COVID, if you remember COVID, that, that really happened. And obviously we had a kind of special situation in Taiwan, uh, probably I'm going to say the best response in the world uh, for sure, um, where we could pretty much go about our day like like nothing was happening. Of course we had certain restrictions on us, but we were free to do pretty much whatever we want. How do you think tourism habits have changed since COVID in Taiwan? What, what do you think has changed? Why do you think people aren't, there aren't so many people coming back, Victor? We have um, six million mm -hmm. uh, visitors from Japan and Korea before the pandemic. Okay. Uh, six million, all get together to play the Sky Lantern. Sky Lantern, yeah. And they are still doing that now. Yeah. Uh, but the infrastructure, including restaurant, those uh, small food stand, they're decreasing. They're decreasing. They, they didn't have enough customers. Right, many okay. many other countries in the world, yeah. So uh, I think right now they are trying to start, try to start again, yeah. And also the labor is not enough, manpower yeah. not enough because people transfer to other industry. Yes, the labor costs are really yeah. going yeah. up a lot. That's I a lot of loss during yeah. COVID. There wasn't a need for these particular people, unfortunately, yeah. and then they kind of moved into other sectors. I feel it really yeah. has changed in the last. A few months yeah. that labor costs were too cheap before, and that has moved to sort of a normal level and now becoming expensive. There's a demand, you know, in, in, well, in yeah. tourism, if the the lowest, I always say the lowest, if the easy job you mm. can replace any time, you can find young young high school kids or university kids to do. But the real the interpreter, tour guide with experience, once they leave this industry, that they, they they may not come back, and yes. this is very difficult to. To become an experienced one. Well, that's yeah. one thing that I kind of mentioned like, about the kind of the quality of the job. Which I, I feel we should make these jobs careers rather than just you know temporary jobs. Get actually people involved in it and 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 really boost this this industry. That's one way to keep people in the industry. The other is good salary as well. You know, pay the people what 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 they want. But I I know a lot of younger students, uh, especially at Taida, they're just not interested in doing these jobs um, anymore. This far kind of what they see as better jobs and opportunities uh, when actually it's these industries that we need uh, for sure, especially that form the backbone of tourism yeah. in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Right. I yeah. mean, I, I see diversification as being very important. I mean, looking not just at European or North American markets, not, not just Southeast Asian or Japan or mm -hmm. Korea, and not just um, local domestic, 
we must bring them all together because they're all they all benefit each other have it means the market is much more stable um both for the guides people offering different services whether that's hotels or um uh, food etc it's a much more balanced thing so I mean, and each different market will have different challenges. It, 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 it will always be difficult to bring people here from Europe and America. It's a long way. Yes. Mm. Um, and Southeast Asian, and we must appreciate that uh, different groups will have much, quite varied interests. And the authorities here, those responsible for tourism, have quite different understandings of what works <laughs> and what does. So the Tourism Bureau, for example, I think they do understand domestic tourism and the, to some degree they understand what works with the East Asian tourists. Mm. Um, but for when it comes to European and American origin tourists, it's, it can be quite... Um, Hot springs and bubble tea don't work so strongly. It, 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 can, it can be quite <laughs> frustrating. Uh, and, and I understand part of the problem is um, we all have our own niche areas. Yeah. So there are some people who will come purely for the food or the hot springs yeah. and some people who come only for birds, but those groups often do not overlap. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, It is difficult, but I'm also quite disappointed sometimes with how some of the authorities that have a, have the job to do this, to understand yeah. this. I, I, to I do see, it. see better YouTubers promoting Taiwan in a much more kind of um, diverse way. Like you said, these people very rarely overlap, but focusing on kind of one area of Taiwan to, to sell it is maybe not the best way to go about it. Like focus on everything that Taiwan has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, coral reefs, the mountains, the birds. I mean, I, I describe Taiwan as the Galapagos of Asia. It's that's like a, a fantastic way to sell it. Like you said, all these convenient ways to get here to, when you're when you're here, it's, it's it's very easy. Sell it as a very easy and, place and le- to and learning when not to talk about something. Yeah, the food here is fantastic. The hot springs are fantastic, but um, other things are fantastic. For example, ferns. Mm. There are more species of ferns in Taiwan than um, all of Europe, all of North America, all of Australia and New Zealand put together. Uh, so for fern people, mm. uh, Taiwan is heaven. It's one of the greatest. But yeah. they're mm-hmm. probably not going to be interested in um, yeah. hearing about the temples or the culture. So yeah. uh, it's finding the niche areas to push yes. your strong your strengths and not to be talking about the other things. Yeah. Um, to add to that, 300, coral, 300 species of corals, two-third dolphin and whale species, and 3,000-meter mountains. We don't get that mm. in the U.K., nowhere near at all and they are so accessible as well they are there i mean if even in living in taipei 20 minute drive 40 minute on the mrt and you can be in the mountains so to kind of build a bridge between like i said living in cities and a natural environment in taiwan even though it's very accessible how do you think as an individual even it doesn't have to be an international tourist but someone a, a, someone who's taiwanese how can we kind of build a better bridge to the natural environment? Do you think there's any improvement we can make? How can we access the ocean and land-based tourism that, that we have? Taiwan managed the pandemic very well, but one thing meant the borders were closed. It didn't have foreign visitors coming, but it was a good opportunity to then, for me, I had lots of extra time to reach out to uh, residents of Taiwan. So I had lots of uh, walks in city parks aimed at people who... Um, live here 
um, but to have no real interest in birds. That was very rewarding, um, pointing out to people that, yes, you can go to any city park mm-hmm. uh, in Taipei, downtown Taipei, and still see 10, 20, 30 different species of birds, um, That showing them that um, there's a lot of very accessible nature. You don't need to travel hours away. You don't need to have binoculars. You don't need to climb the mountain. You know, it, hours, so, yeah. and for me, that's that was very rewarding that people could realize, oh, I, I, I walk past, my I walk past yeah. a Taiwan barbet, a wusunyao, every day, or, oh, I know what this bird in the lawn, this is Heguan Malu, the Malayan night heron, and this is very, people travel from around the world to see this bird or that bird. So I, know, that was, I that noticed was, that because I live across the road from the Botanical Garden, and there's so many tours that come to the Botanical Garden, which is fantastic because it is an amazing place in the middle of Taipei. But what's inside the botanical garden is usually also on the outside. It's not an enclosure mm. um, at all. It's it's just a place where diversity is a little bit higher. But in Taipei, you're 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 totally right. Going through like Dan Park, around Dan Park, you can see so much. Um, mm. Even in university campuses. Um, mm-hmm. as well, because they're usually a lot more quieter, hardly any cars and things like that. You can see so much uh, just walking uh, through and, them. And, I mean, it, this felt a lot more, more important to me, reaching out to new groups of people who had little understanding or little interest or just were afraid to ask mm. the stupid questions about... Yeah. Um, I mean, I, every week I get an email or a message from... And if it's in the title, is this a bird? I know it's a Malayan night heron. So for Taiwanese people here, there are a lot of um, very good bird societies who do very good work in outreach. The level of understanding of the natural world is pretty good, actually. I think it's not, maybe not as big as in the UK, but it's, it's still pretty good and improving. Um, yeah. I'm I'm quite optimistic about that, mm. and, and and for me as a foreigner in Taiwan, uh, it was very good during the pandemic being being able to reach out to the yeah. expat community living here. Yeah, I had a, I just finished a three year project. Uh, I I got fund from the Zhao Yibo Education Bureau, and what I did was uh, in the upstream of Jilong River, there are some ancient trail. People do hiking in the past all the time. It's called Danlan Gu Dao. There are three, there are north, central, and south. Okay, in the past only there's a mountain, mountain. Uh, people who li- uh, live in the village, okay, we go, they hiking to the next village. So that's a really small population to do those. So what I did in my project is uh, I make them uh, an area, um, just small, small towns, they carry the cultural assets. So, I help them to grow uh, the chance of a green economy. The easiest, like DIY, you make your your own noodle, your own rice bowl, okay, or uh, you can practice uh, the easy drawing uh, when you see the nature. And this stuff, I train them, and I find teachers to train them. And then we promote what they have in Da Dao Cheng, mm-hmm. it's a Taipei city, so that's a repopulated area, uh, or they are kind of fur. The, the highest battlefield for so-called uh, yeah. uh, okay, innovation stuff. So people get together, uh, people learn this information from Da Dao Chen area. So, oh, this Dalan Gu Dao, South, Central, and, and uh, North, yeah, but we can just play or we can experience so much nature and culture stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So answer your question, how do we 
bridge the yeah, yeah, people in the city. And that's kind of a good bridge even between places like Taipei and other places in the mountains that maybe people don't can't access or feel they can't access as well. Yeah. Um, I, I read an article kind of about this uh, just yesterday saying um, it was a, a Taiwanese author in the Commonwealth saying that um, people are kind of over these flashy glass cities. Uh, we can get those anywhere. We can go anywhere for those. But what they're looking for is something rich, cultural. And a place that reminds me of that is Dadaocheng in, in, in Taipei. On, on weekends, it is packed. It is packed mm. there and it draws people in. I understand the downtown area is also packed as, as well, but it's for totally different reasons. People go there for a bit of culture, a bit of you know tradition to, to go back in time a little bit. Yeah. I think ta- Taipei especially and even Tainan, of course, should focus on these things to not, of course, draw people to the natural environment, but to actually enjoy the city a bit more, a bit better um, as well. And these are the kind of strengths we should really focus on. We must accept that we haven't really come to a final uh, solution as to what we have to present yeah. to ourselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. never mind to others. Um, it, it's, it's, it's still very much evolving. Yeah. For me, coming to Taipei, there's always a new aspect to Taipei. Um, yeah, it's and the thing is, I, I totally agree with that. It's always changing. I think it should always change as well. We should always want to improve these places, um, and we should never be content with all oh, this is now perfect because it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be things that can address it. After the break, we'll be back with even more engaging discussions. Thank you for listening with us up until now. If you've enjoyed this episode so far, be sure to give us five stars on wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, share this episode with those around you and start a positive ripple effect. You can also catch up on the entire docuseries, Our Ocean, online. Um, Coming back to kind of sustainable tourism, um, sustainable tourism, I would say, is kind of a new concept in East Asia, Southeast Asia, um, and it's been done in the past around the world in terms of ecotourism. Uh, but in terms of sustainability, how can we make tourism more sustainable? What can you do as an individual or as a group, a party coming to Taiwan to kind of, you know, look after the environment as well? What do you think the best? Well, the problem for me, I have to think about how to respond to this because the biggest challenge for me is that a lot of what I do is encouraging people to fly a long way. We're an island. You, I mean, unless you swim, take a very long boat. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that, that is, is the first big challenge. Yeah. Um, and the nature of bird watching tours is you have to move quickly between a lot of places. Um, so it is, it, I, I have to accept, I don't have all the answers to this. Yeah, yeah. My, my observation or what I did from in school, okay. Um, for example, the West Coast area, um, uh, you can see that uh, all, all uh, coastal line almost are formed by those uh, bricks. Yeah, from, yeah, from Boti. Yeah, that that's a that's a big problem. And then, uh, so sustainable t- uh, sustainable uh, tourism should start with land planning. Yes. So which is a bit different from green tourism. Green, green tourism focus on the green economy solution, but the sustainable tourism, uh, they they see the harmonic between the developer and then Aboriginal mm-hmm. or people who who drive who drive here there. So so um, like West Coast, if we can plan, some area is for recreation. Yes. Some area is not touchable. 
all protective, right? If you classify, and then we know this is just like a national park, right? Mm -hmm. Some areas well protected, some areas just for park, yeah. So the coastal area is, um, for example, it's very very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Sustainable tourism is uh, is a whole concept, including language change. You know? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. for example, uh, my my older brother, her her daughter spent uh, they they grew up in uh, California. They spent one summer uh, in Tainan. After that summer, the accent changed, <laughs> changed into the Tainan local uh, dialect. That's, to to them, just really fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I got experience too. When I visit China, if I stay several weeks, my my talking turned into the uh, mainland Chinese accent. Ah, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So so I mean, yeah, the sustainable tourism cover all kind of topics. Uh, yeah, including culture, social yes. equity, uh, environment protection, all those. But uh, that's that's very important for Xinjiang Yuan here for yeah to to reorganize their the their, their plan yeah to rewrite I mean, the plan. If I if I feel it's important always to allow avenues for visitors, whether that's foreign visitors or local Taiwanese visitors, to access local communities and in practical ways that the communities can see if we provide this service, it will benefit us yes. uh, financially. Uh, we, we cannot pretend that it's not to do with finance and um, that they see a direct correlation between um, their welfare and protecting their environment, protecting their environment, protecting their culture. So we must also allow the space for those organic relationships to develop. Yeah. Um, and those tend to be the most sustainable um, results where people realize, yes, if we protect these weeds, these plants, that the butterflies will come here and then the birds will follow them. And then these people come to see the birds and butterflies will come to a restaurant or buy our souvenirs or whatever. That's, um, it's a much healthier, stable um, situation, I feel. Yes. Um, Totally agree, and that and that means they're more likely to understand if there are challenges uh, it, from larger groups or organizations that they know where they're coming from when when they need to lobby and argue and um, so try to leave the spaces for organic, genuine yeah. relationships between people. Um, yes, to form. Definitely, I think in in yeah. any. And we we both come, we all come from islands, which is is pretty unique. Like I feel that's a, a really important thing, like to be in touch with your 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 land, the place where you live. We're restricted by uh, the, the the sea. Also, we need to have a, a kind of better relationship with the sea um, as well. But you know, this is a, a well defined uh, uh, country, and we have to have a much better, healthier relationship and a more sustainable relationship with it. And it does include like everything you mentioned. It includes yeah. people, it includes culture, but also flowing down into the natural. Um, I, I'm kind of biased in this. I'm a marine biologist, so I always say the ocean is kind of the best place to go in, in Taiwan. It can be a bit dangerous, of course, and that's one of the kind of fun elements of it. Um, but for you in particular, what's the draw to the ocean uh, for international and local tourists in Taiwan? What's the best thing? In, uh, because we are an island, so it's definitely an important point for us. Sand Beach. Sunny beaches, <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful beaches. Yeah, yeah, water recreation. Yes, but those stuff are actually uh, ocean is uh, most vulnerable, more mm. vulnerable than the land. 
definitely yeah, system. Mm. So, so I well, yeah, I want I want to enjoy every inch of Taiwan's coast. But <laughs> uh, I also said we we may have a might. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we have some of the the biggest tourism hotspots are close to the ocean, so places like Charlie Ocho, Kanding. People go there to enjoy the beach, to enjoy the mm. ocean, and the and one of the kind of issues in the south is the the regulation of that. You know how much we can enjoy it without having a degrading effect. Mm. So one of the areas that I I work in in Ludao and Lanyu have really kind of suffered. Uh, because of this, uh, but a lot of tourists keep going. So, why? What do you think draws people to these to two islands in particular? Are these hot spots? It's it's a different space. Mm-hmm. Um, Very different from kind of mainland Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. especially most Taiwanese live in very urbanized. Yeah. By going to coastal areas, you've got a much longer view. Um, yeah. Yes, the diving, the snorkeling, mm-hmm. the rock formations, the surfing. Um, th- there are niche areas which work quite well here. Yeah. The one problem, though, um, when introducing Taiwan's coasts and water marine resources is the expense. Yes, um, it's Taiwan is not a cheap uh, destination for diving or surfing. For sure. Well, I'm not sure about surfing, but it's, uh, it, it is, it is a challenge, mm. um, f- to convince people to come for diving uh, as here, as opposed to Philippines or Thailand. Yeah. I mean, um, where I learned to dive in Egypt, it was maybe a quarter or half the price mm. of what it would take in Taiwan. And I feel the the level of the industry as well is much kind of great and much more mm. advanced than Taiwan. I feel capitalizing on the money side of it is expensive uh, to dive. Mm. I, I'm quite lucky to pay for a day of diving, uh, doing research, but the, the amount of money it does cost is is unbelievable. Mm. Uh, and it, Yes, I mean, I, I haven't dived recently, but I, I suspect um, it would make, it'd be cheaper to go fly to, to, fly the, Philippines to the Philippines. Yeah, for and, sure. and it's unfortunate because Taiwan's uh, location, we're kind of on a marginal uh, environment of the Coral Triangle. So we, we have very unique environments on, in, in the mm. water as well um, yeah. that you wouldn't see in the Philippines uh, too. Right. Yeah. So there are a lot to see. Well, I think the local small businesses may not have enough knowledge or data mm. to explain the, the, the fun. For example, that I'm, I was going to talk about just... Uh, water rafting. If you just uh, don't study anything and then just sit on boat or enjoy water, that you can get maybe 60% of happiness. Oh, water rafting, clean water is so clean. But if some if some people explain to you, you can see the, the coastal floor, you know, yes. those mud stumping like a shape. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can observe a lot of plate-related phenomenon. Totally agree. Right, yeah. So you, you need somebody to explain to you. So it's, that's it's, environmental it's, education. It's recognizing when people need the information or the help for the yeah. next step. Okay, right. yes, all right, this looks beautiful or this is a fun thing to do. What's the next step to need? Is is the next step, oh, do you need help being brought to the train station here? Or yes. do you need to be linked up with someone who will give you access to this activity or this other kind of view? And that is also kind recognizing of recognizing the next step. The, the local economy. It's like broadening the local economy, mm. having that connection between these activities mm. i find that in diving as well when some first someone comes to taiwan and they underwater like wow everything is stunning everything is beautiful but if you actually understand how we got to this situation 
it's that extra knowledge that is needed for people to have a passion and that becomes their passion. I found in COVID, a lot of people turn to diving and free diving as an activity. And now it's kind of slowed down a lot, but once people understood what they were seeing, it was extra. It was that extra bonus knowledge that they got that really made that hobby a passion mm. instead of just something they did on the weekend. This is also a challenge for the authorities that are responsible for promoting tourism or yes. managing tourism that on one level they can say, oh, look at this scenery, look at this experience, isn't that great? But then it's quite hard for them to move to the next stage. We can now recommend you go and stay here <laughs> or engage this yes. operator. And it, uh, the, the Tourism Bureau, Tourism Administration, they've got great, they've, they've a lot <laughs> I, to I do here. I think all they need to do is speak to people. Speak to people who are actually well, involved. I, I don't and, know. I think they're just caught in a trap where um, they're civil servants just waiting for their pension to kick in. And there's no, honestly, no reason for them to take yeah. chances because the, taking any chances or changing anything will only risk... Um, yes. Uh, upsetting the kind of balance they have now uh, so I, I i just i don't i'm not optimistic about any great changes there so i've just got a couple of questions to finish up uh, for you both in particular richard you're someone who captures a lot of diversity you can see on your twitter everyday beautiful birds makes me jealous that i'm stuck in an office uh, which isn't nice um i want to know have you seen any kind of changes in diversity over 30 years living in Taiwan. What are some things that you notice, um, if any links to climate change or anything like that, but do you notice any kind of degrading changes over time? Um, compared to many countries, I'm fairly optimistic, positive about Taiwan. The worst damage to lowland west coast Taiwan was done 50, 100, 200, 300 years ago. Right. Um, but when it comes to the mountains where most of Taiwan's... Um, endemic special birds are they've been very well protected yeah number one because of the geology yes. Taiwan mountains are very high very rugged very steep so that meant it is always very difficult to build roads in and what road many of the roads that have been built in have fallen away because right. of typhoons and earthquakes that means so much of Taiwan's mountain ecology is very well protected protected by the tough, tough terrain, but also now protected by good legislation, good enforcement, and a good level of education. So Fantastic. people understand why um, it's important to protect hillsides, to stop hillsides falling yes. down. So when it comes to the main core of Taiwan, the mountains, it's they're in a good situation. Fantastic. Yes, um, some the nature of typhoons is changing, so we get uh, different kinds of heavier, wetter yes. typhoons, and uh, temperature change means more species are moving higher. Yeah. Um, overall, um, birds that are resident in Taiwan are in good, in a very good situation. They're well protected and they're doing well. Some are moving upwards. The greatest worry are migratory birds, birds that are coming through Taiwan yeah. that are depending on lots of habitat from. Uh, Siberia, north of China, Korea, the Chinese mm. coast, into the Philippines, Borneo. So they're depending on each stage of their migration. They must, they're flying from very far away. Down, they only have a few hours to eat, a feed on these wetlands here and here and here. And if one of those wetlands has been changed or destroyed, they're stuffed. So I'm, I'm resident birds, I'm optimistic about. Yep. Um, migratory birds, 
it's uh, looking quite grim. Um, and there are one or, there's only really one species that um, is being pushed higher and higher. Mm. The Alpine Center, uh, it's becoming, it's going to go higher. That'll be inaccessible to most uh, visitors. So there is, uh, yeah, some changes. I mean, we I think the changes are more acute in the marine environment that we see for, for sure. And it's kind of a, a larger response. Um and a, and a kind of more profound response, but that's kind of good to hear that you're you're optimistic, uh, especially about the resident uh, so biodiversity. A couple of hundred years ago, we probably yeah. destroyed. Um, we we don't know what we lost yeah, yeah. hundreds of years ago, yeah. but what was here fifty years ago is now in a much better position. Than, uh, um, but um, the the group of birds that are most in danger are the migratory birds right. that ha- depend on um, lots of different countries. So that's why it's very important that Taiwanese organizations, conservation organizations, mm. are able to work well with other organizations in the region. Yes, for sure. Perfect. And Dr. Tao, I, I want to kind of mm. uh, just finish off on your, uh, something that we, we we spoke about previously about your project in Pingdong mm. and how we can help, you know, local people introduce, get better introduced to sustainable tourism. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, in my idea, okay. Or it's actually is overwork. Then admitted that the tourism should be a process of of a redistribution of a fortune. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a, you spend money, not in the city again. But that, that, those are good. But uh, in the remote area, if you, they have. If they have something valuable, meaningful, for international visitors to to experience, yes. and that we should make it make them happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the pro- the project in Pingdong Gaosu, I I I'm I'm still doing there is to I I bring I bring teachers like English teachers from 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 my university. I bring students like Malaysian students to that remote area, and they do the volunteer teaching. Uh, okay, so. Uh, the kids in the rural area, they will understand. If I make effort, effort I have the chance to join an international city. I need more. I need more information, not only from internet. And I need. So I'm doing this pretty often, uh, helping them. Just uh, I train their interpreters in their word their wordings. Uh, their, yeah, they will talk about what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, to the kids in the rural area. Yeah. What's a what's a dream? Or what sustainable development is yes. like? Seventeen SDGs, like the goals. Yeah, I help them to gradually improve, implement. Yeah, in those areas. Actually, I'm, after I ret- uh, okay, I, I may start. You have a lot more time. A lot more time. <laughs> I I enjoy doing that. That's a project. And another project is uh, in Pingxi, Xinbeishi uh, Pingxi. It's a really remote area. They have they they have aged ladies due to a historical reason, and then. Their, their children, because of looking for jobs, they come to the large cities. Mm-hmm. They, they came back come, yeah, and come back in lunchtime. So local people just make uh, lunchbox for them. Okay. All these skills are really potential. For example, just, um, uh, they, they, they learn how to use uh, uh, local vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Not from supermarket, you know, all, all, kind, all kind of nutrition. Okay. To make an activity. Yeah, to let visitors experience the old Taiwanese. Uh, they, right now, more and more foreigners could go there. Just they need English, just a trans, like translation, mm-hmm. and, stuff. and then let let people know uh, how people in this land like suffer f- from hundreds of years, and they are heading for some future 
and join the international community. Definitely. I think it's about knowing what you have here and knowing, yeah, how you can kind of profit from it whilst doing it in a sustainable way. Yeah, the, the, the key point is a green economy. Yeah. Everything I, we, we are doing, just like, like what you just mentioned about, we think we should think about the income. Definitely. Yeah, of any local people. And we direct them, we help them to get into the green income, mm -hmm. right? That that's that'll be the fantastic Definitely. thing to do. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, both of you. Um, I've really enjoyed it and uh, feel very privileged to have you both here. Thank you for Pleasure. making the effort. Awesome. Thank you. And that's all for today. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and find us on social media, YouTube and our official website by searching Taiwan Plus. We'd love to hear from you. The Ripple Effect podcast is produced by Maurice Chen, recorded and edited by Eddie Chung and co. A special shout out to Caillou Chang and David Gao. I've been your host, Dr. Aziz Muller. See you soon.